thank you so much. We'll turn back in the Old Testament, back in 2 Kings, or 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19. Have your Bible. And we're going to look in the ninth chapter of Matthew for just a little bit also. So Here in the 19th chapter of 1 Kings. Let's just begin reading there. and You know the story. You know why Elijah is a-running. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights, and a horb the mount of God. We're just going to leave off right there. Father, we come to your throne and we thank you, great God, for your petition for us and the mission that you've given us and the commission, Father, that we should go into all the world. What a great thought it is, Lord, and what a great responsibility. Help us, Father, to be true, dear God, to your word, and never to let up, never to give up. And Father, knowing, dear God, that, Father, you promised a strength for those that call upon you. Have your will and way. We'll give you the praise and glory for it all. And amen. Amen. Elijah, mighty man of God, mighty power. How that the miracles that was wrought by Elijah and Elisha, they was a second group of miracles. The first group was done by Moses and Joshua back there. Then it came up to Elijah and Elisha. And then the third group of miracles in the Bible was by Christ and the apostles. And the apostles was really just an afterglow of Jesus. He, uh, they, they done the miracles in his name. And how that there was mighty power. And when you begin to think of this man and what power and what authority that he had in his miracles, which was given unto him by God, how that he performed the first resurrection in the Bible. Back in the 17th chapter there, you can see when that, my, the uh, woman there at the 
Zarephath when her son uh, was very, very ill. And when he finally passed, how that they sent a servant. And Elijah, you remember the story, he came and, had, and laid upon him for seven times. And how that the child's life came again. And it's revival and renewal. And I think God's word is just completely full of revival. Actually, that's what it is when you get right down to it. The whole book is a living book. It's alive and it brings life to those that read it. And when we begin to look at uh, Elijah here, he's had a great victory on Carmel. He's ran back uh, there from, uh, from Carmel to Jezreel and outrun uh, Ahab's chariot. And how did my uh, Jezebel sought his life to take it? There was 450 prophets of Baal there that they had slain with the sword. And the whole people cried out, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Man, wouldn't it be great if America could cry out and say, The Lord, he is God. Not socialism, not liberalism. Uh, not my listen friend what's being taught in our schools today, but the Lord, he is God. And we need to get back to that and what a revival it would be. Uh, my lesson friend, but the Elijah came down after this great height when he saw the cloud come out of the sea, when he saw the earth watered again, he saw all that God was unfolding there, the blessing for the children of Israel. And then here he is. He's turning and he's running. You know, Jezebel, he'd slain all these prophets, and now there was just one that was out to get him, and that was Jezebel. And my listen, friend, for every good deed, there's always a, uh, or a good doer, there's always a Jezebel out there that wants to condemn, wants to overthrow God's work. And my, again, you know, the Supreme Court is a very, very uh, powerful court. And how did it protects our Constitution? And if the liberals fills our court, then our Constitution is at stake. And it's very important, my, that we realize the importance of this, the laws that we're governed by. How that my Jezebel, Jezebel sought his life. He, she said, if I make not thy life as one of them, as one of the prophets of Baal that was slain. If I do not make them as one of them, by this time tomorrow, so may the gods do to me. Um, she was serious. You know, the devil gets serious about his work. And the problem is, is when we get lackadaisical, He's still serious. His work still goes on. The only thing that needs to happen for evil to prosper is for righteous men to do nothing. Now listen. Listen, Elijah. He was the powerhouse, God's man. And he couldn't do one of these miracles on his own. He couldn't even make it 
to Mount Horeb on his own because he got under a juniper tree and he requested himself that of the Lord that he might die. And you kind of wonder, you know, what in the world was he thinking? You know, he was really at a low time in his life and we all go through low times. Moses went through low times. How that Elijah here went through low, David went through low times. And my, you know, I read about these old preachers, Spurgeon. They said Sir Spurgeon would get so depressed that some days he would just stay in bed. Have you ever got that depressed? I never have. I don't have a whole lot of ups and downs. I'm kind of an even kiln fella. And I've always kind of been that way. But my, hell, that my, uh, a lot of folks aren't that away. They got real highs and then they got real lows. And sometimes when we get depressed, that's when the devil will really work on us. And we say things a lot of times that we don't even mean. You know, I really don't even believe Elijah meant he didn't really mean it that he wanted to die. Why was he running from Jezebel if he didn't want to die? You know, he, he was running because he wanted to live. And sometimes we say things that we don't mean when we're low. Do we not? And some of those things, you know, it's hard to kind of take back. But, you know, Elijah here, he was one, he was pitying himself. He said, I'm no better than my fathers. When we begin to compare ourselves with others, that's really a, a big recipe for disaster because it ain't about others. It's about what God has for us. We don't need to settle for what God had for others. We ought to be what all that we can be for God. And how that Elijah, here he sat down and he fell asleep and he needed sleep. And an angel woke him up. An angel said, arise and eat. There was a cake baking on the coals. My listen, friend, I don't know about you, but I like my cakes. I like my pies. And this was angel food cake. It was prepared specially just for Elijah. I've talked about upside down cake, you know, before. And how did God sometimes, well, he just has to make us an upside down cake. Sometimes we want to make ourselves a pity party cake. And we just want to have our own pity party. And we want to say, I'm not better. I'm not good enough. It's me, you know. And, you know, we just need to kind of realize, my, that God bakes us a cake. On the coals. What he wants you to eat. What he wants you to have in your life. That God knows exactly our frame. That we are dust. He knows how, how vulnerable that we are. And sometimes God will take us down just a little bit. Amen. Because we need to get alone. And we need to get with him. And we need to eat his cake. Amen. My listen friend. But Elijah was fed up. He was fed up. And my listen, friend, how did he begin to tell God? You know, a little bit later on, he told God, 
He said, you know, he said, my, I'm just fed up with this generation, with Israel, with this people. And they've slain all your prophets. They've cast down your altar. They've done this and they've done that. You know, Elijah just had his focus on they. You know, if we looked on the morality that's in America today, we could get down pretty daggone low, couldn't we? But you know, we're in good shape for the shape we're in. Amen? Amen. 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 My, but he was fed up. And my, this pity party cake that he'd baked himself, it wasn't doing him a bit of good. He wasn't getting out in, in his work and in his service but he was drawn back. Sound familiar? Amen. Now listen, friend. He laid down under that juniper tree. And this juniper tree was a, was a tree. It was a place, my, that Elijah went for depression. For depression. But it wasn't very long till he came to the cave. He went on that meat for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, there's 40 days and 40 nights. That's how long that Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years. And my, they viewed the land for 40 days. And how that Elijah took him for, they, they say actually it was about 250 miles. That a fellow that was a pretty good walker, that he could have walked this in 14, 15 days, about two weeks. But it took Elijah twice that long and it's a spiritual book, and it's written for a spiritual purpose. And we're told that, that it took this long because that Elijah was in a spiritual wilderness. A spiritual wilderness. And my, this is where he was. He was, he was here. He was tired. He was hungry. He was depressed. But he came to Horeb. He finally got there where God said that they were to bring this people. They were to come on this mountain. They were to worship him on this mountain. And my, when he got there, you know, he went into the cave. And my, how my, he went in there. And this cave was a place of revelation. He'd gone to a place of depression. He'd gone to a, a place there, my, uh, where he, he was depressed, and then he came to this place in the cave, and it was a place of revelation. Because the very first thing you read, that then the word of the Lord, in verse 9, came to him and said, Elijah, what doest thou here? Amen. Amen. Now there's a place. There's a place and a time for everything. But God said to Elijah, what are you doing here? The work is down among the people. The ministry is there. The need is there. You know, Christ, in the ninth chapter there of the Gospel of Matthew, in verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved. With compassion. Aren't you glad we've got a Savior that gets moved with compassion? And it moved him. And how he said, on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad. My, this word scattered means destitute. 
They were destitute. They were, they were in a bad way. And how that he said, scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into the harvest. That word send, the Greek word is ekbalo, which means to cast into. Needs a, you know, I always thought, my, when I was called into the ministry, I, I read some of the New Testament, but some of the Old Testament, my, was kind of strange to me. I was pretty much a foreigner. And I just thought, Lord, I'm just not qualified. But the Lord just picked me up by the hair of my head and throwed me into it. And that's what this word means. Cast into. Send the labors. Cast them in. My God, just take them by the hair of the head and cast them into the ministry. We need labors. We need labors. You know, I, I, I kind of wonder what, what will happen when I'm gone. And maybe that's what was happening here with Elijah. What would happen if Elijah wasn't there? And you know, one fellow said, you can take your finger and you can put it down in the water and then you can pull it back out and you can look at the water and it might have a little ripple, but then after a while it just settles back down like it was. You'd probably not as influential may be important as you think you are sometimes. Like the world can't do without you or the ministry can't do without you. One generation comes, one generates, God will have him a man. God will have somebody to say, thus saith the Lord. You know, I, I believe with all my heart, if I wasn't here, God would have somebody ready to step in line. And by because the work is more important than the worker. I thought of the Great Commission and how the Great Commission is called great because a number one of the authority, the great authority that backs it up. Jesus got his disciples into Galilee and he called them there that he might commission them. And it was a great commission because it had a great work. It had a great mission. And my listen, friend, he had a great authority. And then he gave them great power. And God gave them my, the means, the Holy Spirit. And they empowered them. Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endowed with power from on high. And I'm just thinking how great the great commission really is. Amen. How great it is. Man, it's a great work. It's got to be done. It's greater than us. It's greater than, listen, friend, our name over the door. It's greater, listen, friend, than my, what we're going to be doing next week or what my, we might plans that we have in the world. It's greater. You know, my, these disciples, they just turned their back on everything that they had. And they went out into all the world 
and they went into the nations. And that's another thing that makes the Great Commission great is because it's for all nations. It ain't just black lives matter. It's all lives matter. Everybody has a soul. And even the unborn have a soul. And somebody needs to speak up for the unborn. Amen. Amen. My listen, Elijah, he went there and there was a great earthquake. And how it began to shake the mountains. And my, there was a great wind. And it was so great that it even smote the rocks and broke the rocks up. And my, then there was a great fire and it began to consume everything. You know what we see? We've been seeing all these great catastrophic, yeah, they, they just, my listen, friend, one after another. And my, you know, says, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the great wind. But there's a still, small voice. And you know, if you interpret that in the Hebrew, it's a gentle whisper. Just a quiet, gentle whisper. That inside got Elijah's attention. God got his attention. And he spoke very softly and said, Elijah, what doest thou hear? What doest thou hear? Jesus, he says to us, what are you doing there? What are you doing where you're at? Elijah, Elijah was under the tree in depression. He was in the cave in the place of revelation. And he was on the road on the place of continuation. There ain't no place to quit. Ain't no place to give up. You know, we get satisfied. Some people say, well, you know, if you had three souls in the revival, would you be satisfied? And, you know, the church should never get satisfied because there's more. Because, my, there's lost. And our work, my listen friend, is to reach the masses wherever they are. My listen friend, don't, don't be a quitter. Don't go under the juniper tree and wish, your, wish to bail out. Wish to hang, in, hang up the towel and throw in the towel and be done. My, wash your hands of it. My listen friend, you know, he said, get thee down from here. I want you to get down and I want you to anoint old Elisha to be prophet in thy room. I want you to go down and anoint Jehu to be the king. I want you to go down there and get where the work is, Elijah. Mm hmm. Amen. My, this is pretty good preaching, isn't it? My, listen, friend, if we just do what God said, you know, Elijah, he said, they, the children of Israel, they're all after me. They're all going to slay me. 
They're all out to get me. But it was really only one. And you know, Elijah had miscounted by 6,999. Let that sink in a minute. That's what we do when we get depressed. We inflate the negative. We make it bigger than what it is. We make the enemy bigger than what it is. Little as much when God is in it. He says, my, that in his strength, my, we can do mighty great things. Amen. Amen. My, listen, friend. But one to 6,999, they were still 7,000 that had not bowed the knee to Baal. And I'm praying to God that this great country will rise up, that we'll get back to the old past, that we'll have a revival, that we'll get back in the work. Jesus went to the synagogue there and they had the woman that had the withered hand. The hand is how we work. And sometimes we need to get our heart healed that our hand might get back in action. Remember when that Moses had the leprosy and how that God told him, said, Moses, take your hand and put it into your bosom. And the hand stands for what we do. The heart stands for what we are. And he puts his hand into his heart and he brings it out and it's leprosy because my, the, ha the hand does what the heart tells it to do. Then he said, Moses, take your hand and put it back in your bosom again. And he tore it out and it was just clean like a brand new baby's. God healed it. God took care of it. We need a heart transplant in America. We need to take for God to take out the heart of stone and put back a heart of flesh and to put his spirit within us that we might walk in his ways. He went down and he anointed old Elisha. Elisha said, you let me go back to the house. I've got to say goodbye to my folk. We sometimes say, well, you know, he, he was just delaying his service, but he really wasn't. He had some plans. He went back, and he cut up those oxen, and there was 12 of them. And my listen, friend, he cut them all up. You know what Elisha was doing? He was burning his bridges. He said, I'm going to sink, drown, or swim. I'm going with God. I want the power of God. I want to be his man. And my listen, friend, he walked with Elisha. He burned up his oxen. And my listen, friend, the instruments and all with them. And my, how did he follow Elijah? And he didn't take his eyes off of him. My listen, friend, Elijah even tried to say, go on back. Go on back to your people, you know, on the day that it was revealed that the Lord was going to lift him up. He said, no, 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 no. He said, the Lord said that if I see you go up, I'm going to get a double portion of your spirit. I'm going to get the firstborn blessing. Oh, my listen, friend, how bad do you want it? 
Do you want it bad enough to leave your occupation and burn your bridges behind you? Do you want it bad enough to continue on the way? That's what Elijah was in the cave. My listen, friend, it was a place where God revealed and gave him a revelation what his holy word had said unto him. And then, my listen, friend, it put him on the road of continuation. It put him in a place where he was keeping on, keeping on. My, we need to, t we need to get in that cave. We need to get to Horb. We need to get the strength. Now listen, you can't do it on your own. You've got to eat. You've got to rise and eat. The journey is too great for thee. Listen, friend, the Great Commission is a great, great work. And if we're going to get her done, we've got to rise and eat. We got to get down, my listen, friend, on the spiritual food. We've got to get down, listen, friend, and consume it. That little built book, it might be bitter in our mouth, but it's sweet in your belly, and it'll make you, my, what you ought to be for God. If we get into the book, and the book gets into us, Amen. My listen, friend, rise up, church, rise up. Come up out of your sleep and my rise and eat. And let's go to Horb. Let's go see what God has to say for us. Amen. And he might just say, what doest thou here? Why are you where you're at? You know, I look at myself and I see, uh, sometimes I look at myself and I see a spiritual weakling. And I think of myself and I think, what in the world are you doing here? I ain't got nobody to blame but myself. I'm the one that my eats what I eat. It's me that, listen, friend, calls out to him in prayer and gets my strength. My listen, friend, my, you can't pray too much. You can't get enough of God's word. Amen. I don't have nobody blamed but me. And everybody wants to point the finger and say why they're not doing what they're doing. My listen, friend, my, that's what people do when they get in a backslidden way. They start pointing the finger at the church. My listen, friend, it's time for all of us, all of us, to pick up our cross and follow him now let's get ready, church. The blessings on its way. Elijah, you know, that's why he told Ahab. He said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Mm -hmm. Come on. You better get prepared. Because we're going to have a revival. We're going to have a revival. Amen. I listen, friend. That might sound a little optimism, but it sounds better than that pessimism and negativism. Now you hear enough of that. My listen, friend, let's look out in the ocean and let's see that little cloud come up. And let's say, my, that means something. My, me, that's big. That's what you call counting your blessings. Amen. Amen. We're blessed. We're blessed to have church. We're blessed to have the 
the 27 to here today and the 31 last week. And am I listen, friend, and just thank God that it's well with us as it is. Amen. Let's, let's keep on keeping on. The blessing is just around the corner. Amen. Get us a number song, somebody. Would you care to get us an invitation number, Curtis? 168 in your hymnal. 